Hi, everyone. Danette May here with Manifestable Podcast. And I am speaking with Emily Fletcher, and we're going to unlayer and unpack how do you stop people pleasing so that you can create and magnetize what you want in your life. She also dives in and gives us a formula for exactly, it's a three-part formula, what she uses to manifest the wildest, craziest dreams. This girl has been all around the world. We're going to dive into this episode. You're going to love it because you're going to walk away knowing exactly what to do to create in your life. Let's get started. Welcome to Manifestable, where you'll receive profound breakthroughs, courage to break old patterns, and live into your soul's purpose. Each week, I will bring you epic guests, live coaching, and manifestation tools to remind you of your power. You have the ability to achieve extraordinary things, and the time to start is now. One thing that I have been doing. I've been doing it for years. It's literally made me abundant. I'm telling you that when you write down the dreams that are in your heart, they come true. You can't just think your dreams. There's a power in the pen and the paper. Now, when people talk about journaling, it can feel so elusive. It's like, I don't really know what to write about. I don't really know what to say in my journal with pen and paper. And so something that I've been doing over the last few years that has really optimized my abundance, my business, my health, my relationships is I ask myself three questions and I write them down and then I journal on those three questions. Now, these three journal prompts are going to help you manifest your dreams. And I can't wait for you to have them. They're my gift to you. They're absolutely free. I just want you to be able to journal with specific prompts because it is a game changer. I'm going to text you these journal prompts. So all you need to do is text me the word manifest dreams. Manifest, as we all know, is spelled M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T dreams, manifest dreams. Now write this number down because this is my direct text line and I will text you once you just write in, text me the word manifest dreams to this number. I'm going to give you the number right now. So grab a pen and paper, pause this, grab a pen and paper, 720-706-5956. So that's all you have to do is text me that, go to that number, text me manifest dreams. It goes to me. I'm going to send you these three journal prompts. I love you guys. We're doing this together. It is such an honor to have Emily Fletcher on with us today. She is the founder of Ziva, which is a meditation platform. She's an emotional alchemist and the host of the Spine Tingling podcast. Why isn't everyone doing this? I just got to be on that podcast and she asks very juicy questions. She is an international speaker whose superpower is making esoteric tools accessible to a mainstream audience, teaching over 50,000 people meditation and manifesting. Her best-selling book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, debuted as number seven out of all books on Amazon and has been translated into 12 languages. She has been featured by the New York Times, Good Morning America, and Vogue. She's taught at Apple, Google, and Harvard Business School. I'm excited to dive in with Emily today. We're going to cover all the juicy topics around manifesting and people-pleasing and clearing up any alchemy, any trauma things that you need to clear up so that you become a magnet to your dreams. Welcome, Emily. Emily. 
I've just missed your spirit. And I'm like, so excited to see it's 1111 right now. And just to dive into the magic you're up to, because I know there's been a huge evolution for you in your life. And it's obviously, I think the refiner's fire is what creates this magic and this refiners within ourselves of saying, yes, this is my message, but it's refining and I'm feeling called to this. And so I'm just going to dive in. What is that for you? What are you feeling called to right now? What's really alive for you? Well, it's so great that we're on this show. Also, I love the name of this show, Manifestable. It's amazing <laughs> because, you know, I've been teaching meditation, mindfulness and manifesting for a really long time. And then what's refining, what's new for me is taking manifesting out of being just a neck up mental phenomenon and starting to really make it an embodied phenomenon. So it is all about embodied manifesting for me right now, which includes going into the darkness, like going into your body and seeing what wisdom it has for you in the grief, in the sacred sorrow and expressing that and giving that the microphone and then making space for the body to be able to contain even more pleasure, even more ecstasy. And then from that pleasure, using the pleasure to pray. Oh, the pleasure to pray. Is that what yes, you said? Ooh, that's what I said. <laughs> juicy pleasure to pray. Okay. Yeah. What has led you to, because I feel the same way. I keep saying that the body is an antenna and that it's this gift. It's not so much out here, but we get to live in here and we get to express through here for creation. And so what in your life led you from really going, okay, I'm going to dive into meditation. And now I really want to go into this pleasure to pray. Was there something that led you on this journey? Mm. Yes. So I think it was finally choosing myself. I think it was finally being brave enough to prioritize myself and my own needs. I would consider myself a recovering people pleaser, a recovering codependent. And so I've been really good at making sure that everyone else's needs are met. And finally, it was like, no, I'm going to choose myself. And I did the bravest, hardest thing I have ever done. And I asked for a divorce from an amazing man and the father of my son, who was the CTO and CFO of my company and someone who the last person on planet Earth that I wanted to hurt. And yet making that choice of like, if it's not a full fit for me, then it can't be a full fit for him either. And so choosing the most aligned truth, the scariest, hardest, bravest thing I've ever done. And then three weeks later, nature just started fire hosing me with this machine gun of magic. And it felt no, like this, three weeks was, later, three weeks later, Whoa. I I met my now best friend and world famous Tantra teacher, Layla Martin. I met my cosmic love, my partner, Adam. I moved in with Regina Thomashauer, AKA Mama Gina. And nature just started fire hosing me with this PhD in sacred sexuality. And it was like, thank you. Like, this is great for my own personal edification, but it felt bigger than that. It was like, Hey, you know, that thing you've done for meditation, you know, how you've made it attractive and accessible to a mainstream audience for 13 years. It's now time for you to do that with embodied manifesting tools. It's now time for you to help people to reclaim their bodies, to reclaim their pleasure and to turn up the dial on their own divinity. And in so doing combating or not even combating, but just dissolving and integrating some of that conditioning and shame that we have around our own pleasure and our own bodies. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to ask some personal things. We can always edit anything out, guys. This okay. is the deal. I like to just ask so real when I'm with uh, guests and they have the right to be like, take that out at the end. <laughs> but I want to know when you were going through this, I'm waking up to me and what my true desires are and who I really am. And if it's not, like you said, like this fully fit, it's not for me, it's not for them either. 
Was there any element of you internally seeking to understand pleasure? Because you were blasted with all this company that's in this realm of sexual pleasure. So curious, were you already kind of feeling that and kind of asking that to be called in and be a witness for you? No, honestly, was not on my radar. I did want to call in another baby. I did want to call in more like success, like in my, like more of giving my gifts to the world and a partner like that. I was very clear on. I knew I wanted those things, but the rest of it was honestly a a surprise. It was as big a surprise as like when I first started to meditate and the first day I was in a different state of consciousness that I'd ever been in, slept through the night for the first time in 18 months that night. And I thought, whoa, why isn't everyone doing this? And then again, when Layla initiated me in what I am now calling pleasure prayer, like these techniques, these ancient modalities where you get to use your pleasure to pray. I was like, wait a minute, this is so good. Why isn't everyone doing this? And it felt so normal. It felt so natural. It felt so holy even. that I was like, how on earth did we get conditioned so far away from this? How have we allowed ourselves to fall under the lie that our bodies are somehow wrong or that the very cocktail of chemicals that nature has installed inside of us are somehow a sin? Yes. Well, let's get into that because I think we should. Well, I want to ask first, because you mentioned I have this cosmic partner. When you say, because I know who's listening to this show right now. When you say cosmic partner, what does that mean for you? Yes. We call each other like cosmic love because boyfriend just feels like way too small for, for <laughs> totally. what it feels like I'm 12. <laughs> yeah, like when I'm a 44 year old grown ass woman, like it just feels, I feel like I'm a little old to have a boyfriend, first of all. And second of all, it does not seem to be near big enough a container for what this is. So his name is Adam. He's amazing. And the thing that's so unique about our relationship is that it feels like he is worshiping the goddess through me that he is in such deep devotion to the divine feminine. And I happen to be the lucky human recipient of that devotion. And because we were long distance for the first 10 months of our relationship, we had to transcend our bodies. We had to transcend time and space in order to be able to connect with each other. And I think that's another reason why a lot of these energetic gifts came online for me, why a lot of these healing tools came online, because we weren't able to rely on just the physical 3D body. So it's like we turned the bug into a feature, right? The long distance nerve was like, oh, that sounds so hard. And we made it a feature. Oh my goodness. Okay, so let's talk about this. Because when you're describing to me these pleasure activations within the body, to me, it feels ancient. It feels like an ancient code that has always been here, but somewhat turned off or forgotten. And so can you describe a little bit more of what you're talking about and how you're using this for prayer and calling in? Yeah. So it's so interesting you're, you're picking up on the ancientness of it because it is 100% ancient. Mm-hmm. And actually this summer, my best friend Layla and I went on a priestess pilgrimage to Greece and we went to Eleusis and Delphi and Crete, which are three sacred sites where priestesses were serving yes. medicine and they were doing fertility rituals. And interestingly, especially Eleusis, which is 45 minutes outside of Athens, many of the generals and leaders and philosophers and poets and theater writers, like the people who birthed Western civilization as we know it, democracy, theater, even hilariously Catholicism were born (laughs) out of these rituals and then somehow got mutated and morphed into the very society that then took these sacred sexuality and plant medicine rituals away from so many different populations globally. So you're absolutely right. And so sacred secret is 
the movement that I am birthing. And at its biggest, Sacred Secret is a movement that is helping people to remember their own divinity, to turn up the dial on their own divinity, which what does that mean? That we are powerful and more creative than we know. Right. And I know this is at the core of what you teach, that we have power. Oh, I got chills people. when you're talking about this. Yeah, inside of us. And so at its simplest, sacred secret is a formula. And the formula, as I'm sure you'll be very familiar with, is that we visualize. So we get clear on the thing that we're calling in. And then we alchemize. So we transmute, we express anything standing in the way of that dream. And that could be rage or sorrow or stuckness or numbness, like whatever is becomes the medicine. And then after we clear the channel, then we magnetize. So we visualize, alchemize, and magnetize. And magnetize simply means we turn on our magnet. Like we open up that electromagnetic field that our heart has, which is 5,000 more times powerful than our head. And when you get your head, your heart, and your hoo-ha all in coherence with each other and pointed towards your dreams, it's like you start to become a magnet for your dreams. And this idea of using your pleasure to pray is in fact ancient. So for thousands of years in Taoist cultures, in Vedic cultures, in tantric practices, people would get themselves into ecstatic states to pray. And and even if you go to like revivalist churches, you see people speaking in tongues, you see people going, you know, their heads rolling back and in these beautiful states of bliss and ecstasy. And this is not scientifically verified, but I imagine that if you were to hook their brains up to an EEG in those ecstatic states of prayer in the revivalist churches versus what's happening on my retreats, when people go into these blissful orgasmic states and are praying from that state, my guess is it's a very similar brain signature. I bet so. And actually, that's something I've been studying is these frequencies and really hooking up the frequencies and seeing if there's actually like a correlation frequency tone for the research I've been doing. So I agree with you 100 percent. But if you think about it, this is very much in a lot of cultures like I even think of the Native American dance and the Native American ceremonies. It's really bringing up that energy through the body for sacred prayer. And also seeing the body as the vessel. Like I think in so many, even in the meditation style that I taught, it was all about, you know, going beyond. It's like going up and out. We transcend the body. We transcend the mind to connect to divinity. And that is beautiful. And I'm glad that those practices exist. But this is a more feminine practice in that we are using the body. We're going into the body to see what it has to say. And I think that so many of the indigenous practices and native practices are using the body as the vessel. Because I believe that the gods and goddesses need us as much as we need them. You know, as much as we are praying for our our manifestations to our higher beings, we have the bodies that they don't have. Yeah. We are quite literally the hand of God. And so if we can dedicate our pleasure, dedicate our energy to our dreams, trusting that our dreams are divinely inspired, right? That nature, in fact, installed these dreams inside of us. And then it gets to be this beautiful conversation, right? And so what I have people do at the end of pleasure prayer is that I'll have them ask, hey, nature, how would you love to use me? And we'll do it in both ways. Like some people have a very clear manifestation. Some people have a very clear prayer and that's fine. But other people are non-specific manifestors. And so what we do is that we use that open, blissful, ecstatic state to ask, hey, nature, how would you love to use me? And usually those visions are very guided because the ego is out of the way. You're coming to it from a place of fulfillment and you're offering yourself to be of service, to be a hand of the divine, to bring your fulfillment to the world. And when you're in that place of manifestation, it's like you have so much of nature's support and a lot of your resistance has dissolved away. 
Absolutely. And I love this idea of how do you want to use me? Because you're right. We have these bodies. When you're referring to God, I want to clear this up for anyone because I know what you're talking about, but let's clear it mm-hmm. up. When you say the gods and goddesses, mm-hmm. what are you referring to? Like speak to the woman who is in Arkansas right now. What do you mean by that? Well, I personally love the idea of seeing many faces of the divine. I think that there's a psychological benefit when you can see the holiness inside of a tree, a plant, the ocean, a sunset, when you can sort of see God in all of it. And by the way, my definition of God is the collective consciousness of all that is. So that means your dog, your cat, Pluto, you, me, all of us, the collective consciousness of all that is, that there is an animating force inside of all of us. So that's like the big capital G God. And then there's, depending on what you believe, and I have zero investment in what, in how people interpret divinity. Right. For me personally, I find value in seeing many faces of the divine because it allows me to see the divine in many faces of me. So if I'm having a bad day, it doesn't mean that I am bad. If I am feeling angry, it doesn't mean I am angry. It means there's a part of me that is feeling anger right now. And that part is holy too. That yes. part deserves to be heard. That part deserves a seat at the table. And this might be a little too far out there, but I, I'm curious and I would be interested to see a study on what happened to our psychology when we went from a polytheistic pantheon like the Greeks or like the Vedas or like Asian civilizations. Most civilizations throughout time have seen many faces of the divine. And I'm just curious what happened to our psychology when we took that into one particular male judgmental figure judging you for going to hell if you masturbate. (laughs) (laughs) I actually agree with you. You just talked about a lot of emotion. I actually think that is what is when you were saying we're working with these energies. And I like that you cleared up God and goddesses because sometimes people are like, oh, I don't believe in that necessarily. But it's like you're just saying this is all the consciousness, right? Our power lies in our emotion, our bodies and our emotion. And some, like you said, somehow we've turned off Or we are afraid of certain emotions, right? It's like, that's bad. And it's like, no, you're experiencing all these emotions because there's power in all the emotions and we get to learn to alchemize and work with these emotions. Totally. Which is pleasure is one of them. And I think a lot of the ancient civilizations were simply just using those as archetypes, right? Like Mm -hmm. Kali is like the goddess of destruction. And it's that's nothing outside of you. It's just there is a piece of you that is expressive of sacred rage. And that can be very alchemical and very healing if used in a holistic way or communed with in a holistic way. Yeah. I want to ask, don't let me forget to ask, because I know people are going to be like, how did she work with people pleasing? Because this is a very fundamental emotion that is holding people back from really claiming their pleasure and really claiming who they are. We'll go back to that. You were just recently in Egypt. I don't know if you want to speak on this. I watched this stuff. I know this stuff going down. And I wanted to ask you, what were some of the biggest messages you got from that most recent trip? You know, creating Cacao Bliss has been such an honor And I know some of you might be intrigued if you have not tried Cacao Bliss. Is it really that good? Is it really that good for my body? Am I going to love it? Are my kids going to love it? So I want to make sure that if you want to try it and you know what I'm talking about here and why it became the fastest growing company on Inc. 500, go ahead and get a bag or two. And I'm going to give you 15% off at checkout. So in the show notes, you're just going to click on that link and 
get a bag or two of Cacao Bliss and I'm going to give you 15% off your order. All you need to do is put Manifestable at checkout so I can give you 15% off. Use the word Manifestable at checkout, M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T-I-V-A-L, Manifestable at checkout and you're going to get 15% off. All right. I love you guys. And thanks for tuning into this episode. Thank you for asking. And okay, for myself, there's a lot. I know there's a lot. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot and I'm not sure how much of it is ready to be transmitted, but there are some things that are one for me personally, if I got much more clear on my mission, which is to help to bring the frequency of heaven to earth. Like right here, right now, that heaven exists inside of you in one place, right inside of you and in one time. And that is right now. And so I got much more clear that like my job is to give people the tools to help to experience that frequency of heaven right here, right now. And part of that is through this work by turning up the dial on their own divinity, which is just, oh, right. I am very creative. I am very powerful. The whole point of this particular trip is that we were going to activate the throat chakra of the planet and the throat chakra of the species. And so I was with 42 other amazing healers and we had the amazing fortune of getting to spend all night long in the pyramids because the man that we were with, Robert Edward Grant is a polymath and he basically, he's very connected to Leonardo da Vinci. Like he studies Leonardo da Vinci's paintings and in so doing, he decoded the Vitruvian man and discovered that there is a new undiscovered tomb inside of the Great Pyramid of Giza. Right. So this is many thousands of years of structure has been studied more than almost any other structure on the planet. And Robert Edward Grant, who's living today, discovered an undiscovered tomb, which if you line up all the tombs in the Great Pyramid, they line up with the chakra system of the Vitruvian man, the coordinates match specifically. And so the throat chakra was not there. So Robert went in with a team of Japanese scientists and they heat mapped it and they discovered a new tomb. Now, this is a big deal. And so because of this, he has unprecedented access. And that's why we were able to spend the night by ourselves in the pyramid. And so our intention in going was to activate the throat chakra. So what did that look like? 40 of us singing in many part harmony for six hours, each of us laying in this king's sarcophagus. And because Robert is a mathematician, he knew the exact frequency to tone while we were laying in the tomb to activate the entire chamber because these were actually used in part as sound healing technologies. So he would lay down and he would tone, he'd go, and the whole place would start vibrating like, so that was amazing to see how much technology, sound, frequency, vibration is built into these structures that we are just starting to scratch the surface of understanding how they were built. And then for me personally, and I saw that you had a podcast about my friend saw an alien, my relationship with non-human species definitely took a big leap forward. And I'll pause there, but I think to the arrogance that it would take to think that we as humans are the only like sentient beings out of all of the billions of galaxies and the billions of stars, it's just not feasible. And then after seeing a lot of what I saw and a lot of the inexplicable, and I am curious to deepen my relationship with other types of creatures out there. (laughs) And I imagine they feel the same. (laughs) 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 Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I could go off on a tangent for hours with you on that specific topic for sure. So that's really incredible. And what an honor. And honestly, nothing's by accident. I imagine all of this is not imagine. I know this is all for your work ahead and having this embodiment experience 
Yeah, and it felt uh, interesting. Another thing that came up was the relationship of divine masculine and divine feminine. That was definitely a theme on the trip and and something that I've been working inside of Sacred Secret because a big part of my initiation was through the Magdalene manuscripts, which, you know, Mary Magdalene, which in our our culture is represented as a whore, but she was actually a priestess and an initiate. She was an initiate of Isis. Yeah. And so to be in this land of Isis, you know, this Egyptian goddess of motherhood and fertility and sex magic, and to be able to go there and say thank you to Isis and to be able to be in that Magdalene frequency and to see what happens when you have people really balanced in their own internal masculine and feminine, that was really quite powerful. Wow. So Mm -hmm. great. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing because I know that was a recent trip and I wasn't sure how much wanted to be shared. Let's go back to people pleasing because some people we've lost a little bit on this (laughs) episode, but I'm like, love these type of topics. And I encourage any of you who are listening to really open your heart and your mind to these because we've been taught, at least I know from my upbringing, this isn't true. This is not a discussion I should be having. I should turn this off. This isn't in alignment. And I just ask that everyone, including myself, is always just being open because I think we're being asked at this time in our lives, we're here for a reason to open the heart, to open and feel into new ways of possibly thinking, experiencing and seeing life. And so I do ask that because I think everyone can grab, get a hold of people pleasing. So I want to ask, how did you navigate that? Because you talked about alchemizing and this is one of your alchemies that you went through. And can you explain that process for someone who's like, that's me and I want to alchemize this? Yeah. So I'll paint the picture of of why it started because I think our people pleasing always comes from some sort of a survival mechanism or it has a positive intention. And likely that came from childhood, likely it kept you safe, or it was some sort of survival mechanism. For me personally, my dad was an alcoholic and he was manic depressive and bipolar and he had a really volatile temper. And so for me growing up, it was, I was always walking on eggshells and I felt like my job or my self-assigned role was the peacekeeper inside of the family. And also it felt so volatile and so dangerous as a child that it felt like if the volume got turned up, that my life would actually be in danger. And so, you know, with everything, there's light and shadow. And I think it's why I'm such an amazing teacher. It's why I'm so intuitive. It's why I can read a room. It's why I, I have such a deep passion for sharing these tools with people is because Like I was so afraid of people's anger growing up that I just wanted everyone to be happy all the time. (laughs) So there's a light side to it, right? It's why I'm so motivated. But the dark side of it is that in my body and my nervous system, conflict equaled death. Mm -hmm. So if my roommate didn't turn the AC up to the temperature that I liked it, rather than saying like, hey, I'd love it to be a little bit warmer at night, how do you feel about that? I would just not say anything for months and internalize it and go into a spin. Or instead of asking for what I needed in the bedroom or asking for what I needed from my employees, even, I would just internalize it. Start, it's destructive, right? Like energy. Wow. It sounds like it was pretty choice. intense. Like Very, was, very intense. Yeah. Like I would avoid conflict at all costs. Cost. And here I am like a mother, a CEO, of a seven figure company, 10 employees, like doing big stuff in the world and just trying to please everyone else 
except for myself. And that is, it's just not sustainable, sustainable. especially <laughs> if you want to do big things in the world. Mm-hmm. And my coach, I have a very, I had a very draconian coach and she would post, she'd be like, people pleasers don't believe in their dreams. And I'd be like, I believe in my dreams. But meanwhile, I'm like, someone's asking me to do a summit that I know in my body is a no, that I don't want to do. And I'm saying <laughs> yes to it, right? So I'm saying yes to things that are clearly no's, which is not making the space for my big dreams. Yes. And so I think that I got a crash course in it. And so in me asking for the divorce, which was the last thing I wanted to do, the biggest potential conflict with the person that I loved the most, I think I just ripped the bandaid so hard that wow. anything after that felt like easy. <laughs> You're <laughs> like that no to that summit or that no to that friend. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Like, like this will not be as hard as it was to have that conversation. <laughs> and so it's still a practice for me. You know, yeah. I think codependence, like any sort of addiction requires community and treating it almost like an addiction and knowing that my habit is to say yes to things that are no's. And so it's just taking that time, it's taking that pause and really being like, is this a full yes in my body? Does this bring me pleasure? And interestingly, where I think that the people pleasing and let's call it the self-pleasing are linked is that if you don't believe that you deserve pleasure, if you're prioritizing everyone else's pleasure above your own, then it's the same patterns, right? Like we'll say yes to the thing that is actually a no. And if we'll do that in our work, then we'll also do it with our bodies. And so I think you can work outside in or inside out, but either way you're strengthening the same muscle, which is stopping, checking in, what feels like a yes in my body, right? Like getting full consent in your body and then voicing that. This is what I would love. This is what I would not love. This is a desire. This is a boundary. And what I found is even, you know, I've been teaching manifesting now for many, many years. And the number one thing I hear from folks is, Emily, I don't know what I want. And people who don't know what they want usually know a lot about what other people want. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They can likely name their husbands, their kids, their coworkers' desires, but they don't have time to listen to their own. So it's like, what happens if we reprioritize that? And then what I found is that the happier you are, the clearer you are, everyone in your world just wants you to be happy as well. So then people start to get on board, like you become the beacon and then other people can start to support your mission versus you supporting everyone else's mission. Wow. So good. So powerful. So one question I want to ask, because I'm sure people are, you're now taking on, I know you personally in the fact that I guarantee you're embodying what you're teaching. And so what does a typical day look like for Emily? What does that look like? Because you're a mom, you're a business owner. So Mm -hmm. like, what does this typical day look like so that you get into these embodiment practices? Yeah. So I wake up around 630 and I have a moment to myself, not a lot of time, but I'll literally just light a candle, maybe like play my bowls just to get my body into coherence. I might do a quick, not even a journal, but I just like to design my day. So I write my whole day out in past tense, like interview with Danette was amazing. It deepened our friendship. It went viral. We spread our missions around the world. World. Wow. I had a great time with my son, made a delicious meal and I was asleep by 10. So I'll write all of that out and wow. then I'll go and wake my son up, make breakfast. I drop him off at school. And then I have about an hour to an hour and a half. That's mine. This morning I got acupuncture and dry needling. That's when I work out. That's when I meditate. That's when I'll do sauna. That's when I'll shower. So I have about an hour and a half for basically some sort of a physical movement and some sort of a spiritual practice, which for me every day includes meditation. So that's my non-negotiables. And then I start my work day around 10 a.m. And I work from about 10 to five with some breaks here or there. Mm 
And then I go pick up my son at five and then I'm with him till about eight. And then once I put him down to bed at eight, eight thirty, then I have time for my boyfriend and I, if he's in town, we're still long distance. And then I sleep, I've been sleeping from about 11 to six 30. So like seven Whoa, and a half hours, which okay. is pretty good for me. Okay. Um, so you've, you've I, operated on less sleep. Oh yeah. For most of my life, it's been more like five or six hours. So if I was really doing it right, I would be asleep by 10. But at some point I feel like I just want to have some like doodle time, you know, like I, I know. need like some amount of just spaciousness yeah. where I'm not scheduled. And totally. sometimes that's what happens from 10 to 11. Totally. So I would probably be happier if I was going to sleep at 10, but for right now, I just need like it a works. minute to not be on a schedule. Now, that's if beautiful. I don't have my son, cause I co-parent, then my life is quite adventurous. Then I'm usually right. Yeah, conferences or going on trips to Egypt or going on priestess pilgrimages. So, and this is actually a hack that I would recommend for people that are even not co-parenting is if, what if one weekend a month or even one weekend a quarter you take turns and like you have a whole weekend or four days, like just for yourself and have your partner take the kids and then switch it. So it's like, just because you're a family unit doesn't mean that you never get to have time by yourself. And so it's like co-parenting before you're a co-parent. And I think it can really save the marriage. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think that was brilliant advice because I think when you do get separated or you have these, that is one positive of going, I actually have a little bit of time to breathe and discover me and just to feel me, my energy alone. And who's to say you can't set that up because it's so, so important. Wow. That's actually brilliant advice. Thank you for that. I'm I'm a fan of it. Like it's been the, the secret blessing of the divorce is like knowing, I mean, and now granted my son's father is amazing and I trust him implicitly and my son is very happy with him. And I know that's not always the case, but if you do have that luxury, then it's like, take advantage of it. And then you fill yourself up and you have more to give to -hmm. your kids. You have more to give to your partner. You can do this with a friend. Let's just say you don't have that type of partner. Maybe you have a friend that has kids and you guys could be like, okay, I'm going to take your kids for three to four days. And then you take mine and just unplug. Yeah, Yeah, that's brilliant. I I love that. So cool. All right, Emily, of course, this has been amazing. I try to keep my talks to about 30 minutes, but I wanted to ask you one final question. And I like asking people this, and I really want you to fill into your heart because let's imagine you're standing in front of millions and millions of people. You can't even see beyond how many bodies are there and they can all hear you and more importantly, feel you. And you know that in this timeline, on this earth plane, this is your last message. Mm. What would it be? The thing that's coming through is that you deserve to feel good. You Mm. deserve to feel good and you deserve your desires. And that to me is the manifesting recipe. It's feel good, place the order. Place the order, feel good. Feel good, place the order, place the order, feel good. And so just letting people know that they deserve to have both. It's actually why we incarnated is to feel as amazing as possible and to bring our desires into the manifest. It's why we decided to try on these meat suits for a little while so that you deserve to feel good and you deserve your desires. I got full body chills. Actually, you guys could see my arms right now. (laughs) So that to me speaks truth. So thank Mm -hmm. you for that message. It's been an honor to have you on and I can't wait till we get to dance again in real time. (laughs) All right. Thanks for being on the Manifestful podcast. You guys, all her information is going to be tagged below and we will see you on the next episode. 
Thanks for tuning into this episode, everyone. It's such an honor to be able to be with you, whether you're walking or driving or just listening on your lunch break. It is an honor. So thank you so much for following the Manifestable podcast. If you don't mind, if you love this episode, will you take a minute and share it out and tag me and Emily. All of Emily's information is in the show notes. Her website, her Facebook, her Instagram, everything you need to follow her and really get up to date on what she's up to and how she can help you and serve you. But if you don't mind, share this out and tag her and tag me. We want to hear from you. We want to know that this episode actually helped you as well as go ahead and click in the upper right hand corner, wherever you're listening this to this, the follow button. Go ahead and click that follow button. That means a lot to me. Rate and review if you don't mind. I love hearing from each one of you. It it feels like a big manifestable family. So thank you so much, you guys. And until next time, remember, you are worthy. Do you ever feel like you need an extra push to feel inspired or motivated to take on the day? I know I do at times. And are you searching for a sign to nudge you one step closer to achieving your goals? I've decided to do something and I'm doing it absolutely free. All you have to do is text JOY. You're going to text JOY to 720. Grab your pen and paper right now. 720-706-5956. And I'm going to send you free weekly inspirational messages from me directly to your phone. We don't have to do this life alone. I want to be there as a support. So just go ahead and simply text JOY to 720-706-5956. And I'm going to be sending you free. It might be an affirmation or encouragement, maybe a meditation, something that will help you start your week in the right foot with a simple message from me. Again, text JOY. And I'm going to give you that number one more time, 720-706-5956 to receive free weekly inspirational messages from me directly to your phone. I love you.